morning and welcome to African Dialogue. You tuned into the Gateway to Africa. I'm your host, Ayandam Kwanaz. We are broadcasting live from our SABC headquarters in Auckland Park, Johannesburg. You can live stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za or you can listen to us on the DSTV audio bouquet. That's channel 802. We look forward to interacting with you on our various social media platforms at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. Well, as usual on the show today, we have an exciting, jam-packed show for you this morning. On our first segment, I'll be speaking to Dewa Mavinga, who is the Southern Africa Director with the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch. This is an international, non-governmental organization. He'll be talking to us about the environment in which he works in, as well as issues of governance in Africa. Well, according to the United Nations, human rights are rights inherent to all human beings, regardless of race, sex, nationality, ethnicity, language, religion, or any other status. Human rights include the right to life and liberty, freedom from slavery and torture, freedom of opinion and expression, the right to work, education, and many more. Everyone is entitled to these rights without discrimination. And we'll be discussing the uh, uh, human rights as well as the responsibilities that come with human rights as soon as I'm joined in studio by Dewa Mavinga from the Southern, from the from the Human Rights Watch. He's a Southern Africa director with the Africa Division and he's walking in right now. Good morning to you just in time, Dewa. Good morning and thanks for having me on the show. Deborah, thank you so much for, for coming through. In my intro, I was just highlighting what, according to the United Nations, is human rights. The inherent right for, regardless of your race, sex, nationality, that you deserve to be, to be noticed. You deserve a space in whatever society that you're in. Now, you've been in this space for more than 10 years of research and advocacy. Where did your journey in human rights begin? Well, um, yeah, yes, you see... Uh, human rights, just to reiterate, are those entitlements that we all have simply because we are human, simply because we are born, and these are key to give us a life of dignity. So growing up uh, as a, a young boy in conditions of abject poverty, uh, I just then had this sense of fairness and justice uh, nurtured in me. Uh, also going to church, the Methodist church, uh, reading about uh, prophets in the Bible who were talking about let justice roll like the rivers. Uh, and the idea that one of the key purposes that we have is to ensure that we stand up uh, for the widow and the orphan. So that was mm. my core inspiration to say, um, whatever I do, my work must be an expression of my passion for justice, for equality, uh, for fairness in society. And uh, the universal uh, values and principles that take us closest to that ideal are human rights. And these relate to what we are as human beings. You, you, you talk of Ubuntu. Mm. Uh, the, the fundamental aspects of Ubuntu are really about human rights, about treating others fairly, about the golden rule of treating others as you would want them to treat you. And this is what drives my work and my passion, and this is what keeps me going. Mm. What is the most exciting part of what you do? Well, the most exciting part uh, of my human rights work is, you know, when you help, when you assist, when you render assistance uh, to to someone, and then they 
call you and they give you feedback and that gratitude to say thank you if it was not for your work and your intervention i would not have been able to get uh, what i deserve mm-hmm. and that is the the, the, the greatest joy uh, I, I recall the other time i was helping a family that had been unlawfully evicted from a piece of land. They were just chased off with nothing. Their homes were destroyed and they were now sleeping on the side of the road. And I had to intervene to ask lawyers and it took a number of court cases to get that case resolved. And then uh, the old lady asks for a a call, calls me Mm. uh, with tears of joy, saying we are back on our land, we have been compensated, and we we are much better, and we are so happy, and it's all because of your work. Mm. That is what gives me joy. Mm. And I'm sure you get a number of people calling in, writing in at the Human Rights Watch office saying, we need help. Can you assist us? Can you advise us? Can you intervene? Absolutely. And, And every time we then try and look and say, how do we not only assist individuals in their specific cases but also uh, a key part of our work as human rights watch is to say uh, we need to engage in high level advocacy with the government authorities uh, to ensure that there are uh, right principles that make everyone enjoy their rights in peace and this is really uh, the common cause and goal that we have with governments because look if you look at the south african constitution for example it is a, a a fantastic bill of rights that sets out the rights of all the citizens and people who are in south african territory and it's simply a matter of saying are these rights being enjoyed because the importance mm-hmm. is not just to talk about rights on paper but to have people enjoy those rights and live a life of dignity without any limitations and the human rights uh, field helps us to get there mm. and how about the, the 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 other aspect of responsibility because with human rights with any right mm. comes a responsibility how do we reinforce that responsibility onto citizens very important and now if if we get to a point of uh, appreciating uh, the scope of human rights, uh, you you will be aware that the African Charter on Human and People's Rights is a key section that outlines, you know, uh, human responsibilities. And when you understand rights, it means that they are not exclusively for one person. You enjoy your rights in relation to the rights of others. So that's very important because it brings out that aspect of responsibility to say yes, you have. Uh, these freedoms, but uh, for you to enjoy them to the maximum, you need to be considerate of Mm. the rights of others. It's like drivers on the roads. You cannot then assume that you are the only road user who has rights. You must be considerate and think about others, and that in itself is part of uh, what is covered in human rights, to say, well, as you enjoy your rights, what is your responsibility to ensure that you are not violating the rights of others, but also that you are enabling others to simply enjoy and live uh, life abundantly to the fullest. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's not about one individual. It's about individuals, but also within a collective, within communities. Let us uh, find ways. And a huge part of this is an educational campaign. Mm -hmm. And governments lead in that uh, to say, we must know that our rights uh, are interconnected. They are interdependent. They are indivisible. So when we understand that, we are always thinking about, you know, 
what are the rights of others and how may I enhance them and not diminish them? Mm. Yeah. And we see in, in, in Africa especially that there's a clampdown on human rights, whether it's your voice, whether it's protesting. We saw it in Zimbabwe recently when there's a protest um, about the economic situation. But there's such a heavy hand that is always dealt mm. with mm. in those situations. Are we backtracking as a continent? Well, I, I would say normatively on, on paper, uh, the African continent has made uh, strides in terms of having uh, almost all African countries have got constitutions that have got bills of rights and they've got the relevant infrastructure. Here we talk of the courts, we talk of the uh, constitutional commissions or institutions like the South African Human Rights Commission, we have a similar body in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, in Malawi and elsewhere. So there is some progress in terms of what's on paper and in setting up the structures. But a huge challenge that remains uh, is a misunderstanding by the authorities, by governments, uh, that human rights necessarily mean that uh, you are at, at odds and opposed mm. to you know, the government. And that you know, to, for the governments to maintain their political authority, they must clamp down on rights. That is not correct. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, if governments enhance the rights of their citizens, it means citizens are more satisfied and less likely to resort to protest. But yes, you're quite right. We have seen uh, massive uh, police brutality and mm. heavy-handedness uh, in Zimbabwe in crushing peaceful protests where citizens are simply saying our lives are not what they should be and government should be responsible to deliver and to do better, to curb corruption and to engage in good governance. So these are very legitimate um, uh, challenges and concerns that people are, are raising and should be respected. And if the governments, for example, of Zimbabwe were committed and sincere mm -hmm. about respecting rights, then they would know that the constitution of Zimbabwe, section 59, guarantees the right to peaceful protest. There is no need to resort to brute force mm. to, you know, disperse people who have genuine concerns. Mm. And what, what are your opinions when it comes to the, the way we see xenophobia always uh, rearing its ugly head in South Africa? You know, the government says it's criminality or elements of criminality. But then we see there's xenophobia because there's this attack on foreign nationals who are selling goods and we accuse them of all sorts of things, taking jobs, selling rotten food. Why do we keep seeing that spiraling up? I mean, clearly it's an indication that there's a, a deeper reason or, or there's a root cause which is not being dealt with by the government. Uh, yes, you, you, you're quite right. When you talk of um, uh, xenophobic violence, you know, the the spats, uh, let's take, for example, you know, foreign truck drivers in South Africa. And there have been significant serious attacks in Durban, in Pumalanga, um, uh, Whitbank, MLO, and other places. The challenge is that there are genuine concerns that people might have. But the problem is taking the law into their own hands. But that also points to something which might very well be a failure by the government to take proactive steps to address the root causes of you know, inequality, of rising unemployment, and to be very clear about what the law says. Because if you look at our own research, we established that the majority by far of the foreign truck drivers, for example, had valid work permits for South Africa. But if the authorities are not saying there is a difference between undocumented and those that have valid documents, then it does not help. The other aspect is that 
relevant institutions like the police have not done enough mm. to stop the carnage and the violence on the, on the roads to investigate thoroughly and to arrest those responsible. So now you, you know in human behavior, if there is no accountability uh, for wrongdoing, then it becomes a vicious cycle. Mm. Then that is what we call impunity. When people commit crimes with the knowledge that they will get away with it. And this is where the authorities need to come in and show by way of action that there is zero tolerance to these kinds of abuses. Mm. And what about the community? Do we not have a responsibility as, as a society at large mm. to mm. also be tolerant and also perhaps understand where this all stems from or even confront government and address the issues that we are facing on the ground, poverty, unemployment. Absolutely. And, and in fact, this is why uh, the social cohesion groups and community groups are encouraged that are involved uh, in um, campaigns in terms of awareness, in campaigns in terms of what needs to be done, and also in trying to focus uh, on uh, the real issues and challenges and how the government can facilitate uh, peaceful coexistence, but not only that can address the economic challenges that are resulting in increased poverty uh, and in a depressed economy and in frustrations in communities when there is not enough in terms of uh, social services. Hmm. Well, that's the voice of Dewa Mavinga, who's the Southern Africa Director with the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch, speaking to us about human rights, how do we become responsible citizens and the area that he works in of, of human rights. Let's take a short break and then we'll conclude with him after this. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLab to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. It's 23 minutes after 11 Central African time. I'm joined in studio by Dewa Mavinga, who's a Southern Africa director with the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch. I want to go into governance. We've got a crisis of governance in Africa. Poor leadership, yes. looting of state coffers. How do we begin to address this so that economies of mm. Africa can actually thrive? Well, it's, it's, it's a huge challenge across Africa, uh, that of uh, bad governance. But I think one of the main problems is um, that there is no accountability, that there are no steps to demonstrate. You know, when people are, see that people can get away with things, with wrong things, then uh, it becomes looting without inhibition. So a major weakness is in our policing. 
another major weakness is that in terms of leadership, political leadership, is that political leaders uh, mostly themselves benefit from these abuses and from the looting of state coffers. And therefore, they protect you know, their uh, allies and associates uh, with the result that nothing is done uh, about corruption. And then people view political office as the avenue to acquiring personal riches mm. because they know that um, there will be no accountability, there will be tenders, there will be all those things. So it's about uh, a cultural change, a change of the mindset, but which must be backed by uh, serious policing, which is independent. Mm. Uh, if you look at some of these um, uh, countries, uh, the political leadership politicizes policing mm. to an extent that political po police leaders will not touch you know, the political heavyweights because they, they know that these are the people who appoint them to those positions. So you need uh, an independent and robust mechanism, not only the public protector's office, but um, uh, the policing itself. It must be able to discharge its mandate without fear or favor. What we see across that repeatedly in the media, uh, corruption is abused, but no action is taken. And then people will think, well, it's business as usual. We might as well go back to that. And it continues like that. And uh, that is what brings Africa to its knees in terms of economic development. Mm. Uh, if you take again, for, to, to take the example of Zimbabwe or Mozambique, mm. where there is massive looting of resources, uh, which could otherwise be benefiting the ordinary person on the street, building hospitals that are much needed, supplying medicines. Uh, but of course, when you look at these political leaders, they themselves uh, go to you know countries that have got better facilities for their own medication and leave their citizens to suffer. So political leaders and government officials should be made to use the same hospitals and same public schools for their kids so that they know uh, the impact, the negative impact of looting and corruption and they can then face it and perhaps that will be the beginning of an arrangement mm. uh, to be committed to good governance to uplift the lives of ordinary people across Africa. Mm. And how about dividing? Because presidents, I mean, if you take South Africa, for example, we've got uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, who's mm. now caught between serving the people or serving the party. Mm. How, I mean, we need bold leaders to make bold decisions um, to benefit the masses. How then do, do, do people like our president take those decisions knowing that they might lose affection in their party? That is a huge challenge, but I think uh, what is important is to uh, increasingly uh, rely on the founding documents of the nation of South Africa. So, for example, the Constitution. Uh, so it will be a, a question of constitutionalism and not only moving the government along, but in also re-educating the political parties because these are very powerful and we, can't, we cannot do away with them. So there is need... Uh, to base uh, the reforms that are much needed on the Constitution, to say what does the Constitution say, what are the provisions, and to step back and let the law take its course, and not to protect at all uh, any individuals that might be implicated in corruption. Uh, we have seen that this has worked, for example, uh, in countries like Singapore, a very poor country um, maybe 60 years ago, but that had a, a strong focus on... Uh, 
anti-corruption mm. to a point where then it became a new culture and then everyone was now focused on development on exposing on whistleblowing but in other states in other countries across africa there is no protection of someone who might expose mm. for example corruption because they then become targets themselves so people are afraid they see wrongdoing they will say nothing because they are thinking well look nothing will nothing will change i might actually become a victim so it's not just about the government institutions but mm. also addressing the party culture so that the political parties know that they can benefit more themselves mm. the more they support their people the more they genuinely meet the needs of their people to enable them to live lives of dignity mm. my final sort of question to you dewa mm. how do we begin to grow the continent Well I think I think it it begins at a small scale at a, at a family level in terms of running the community but also it is about genuine integration of the African continent. At the moment uh, individual countries are more splitting and atomized. We need to come together for this African solidarity that the founding fathers of our nation and mothers for example if you talk of the legacy of um, uh, Tata Nelson Mandela the legacy of uh, um uh, Uh, Julius Nyerere uh, Kenneth Kaunda and other luminaries you know in Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana the, it was about a genuinely reunited Africa that has common values of Ubuntu cutting across this is what we need uh, but in fact unfortunately we are moving further and further away individual countries uh, uh, doing their own individual deals with countries further afield Africa should unite should come together but th- that unity mm. must not be a unity of the leaders but of the peoples of Africa of the economies of Africa uh, that with that we can then begin to um, have an Africa that moves forward uh, th- this is what we need uh, Europe has done that there is the European Union which mm. is quite a, a, a solid block and Africa can do that not just talking um, talking about it but taking practical steps because that is the only way the african peoples can begin to genuinely benefit uh, from what they have on the continent uh, i can give you an example of travel it's much more difficult mm. for people in southern africa to travel for example to west africa uh, than for europeans to come into africa yes. so regional intercontinental intercontinental travel is much more difficult than going to the states or to australia mm. and we need to address that mm. well thank you so much it's been fantastic thank speaking you. to you before i let you go how would you describe yourself in three words passionate human rights activist well thank you so thank much you. you heard it for yourself that was deba mavinga southern africa director at the human rights watch division with africa thank you for joining me well after the break i'll be joined by my colleague dumelo zulu on what's trending